Well, I, uh, I was watching Tesla as a company up through the growing pains and all, and it, 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 it did intrigue me. I, uh, I see the, the battery-operated vehicles coming. Hey everyone, Luke here bringing you another fun conversation with a regional fleet and maintenance trucking company based out of Myerstown, Pennsylvania. That's right, it's our podcast, Caution Wide Right. It's just another trucking podcast. And today we have James Martin with Keystone Transport and Diamond Fleet Services with us. James is the owner of Keystone Transport, which started in 2014, delivering high-end blanket-wrapped furniture to stores and designers. And then shortly after, James started Diamond Fleet Services, a diesel truck and maintenance repair uh, shop for light, medium, and heavy-duty uh, trucks with visions to also include the upcoming Tesla Semi, which we're definitely going to talk more about uh, in the video. But James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, we tell many of our new carriers to find their niche in the trucking industry, know what products they want to haul, and then dive into building those supplier relationships to get those good contract freight. But it seems like for you, the logistics side came after being a manufacturer and supplier first. So how did Keystone Transport get started? Well, as a manufacturer, I was having trouble finding a good carrier locally to deliver blanket wrap furniture to our stores. And I finally decided to uh, take it in my own hands and put a truck on the road. And uh, we uh, weren't full, so we spread the word in the community. Uh, the Amish and Mennonite shops that build good quality furniture, uh, and we soon, soon were growing. Uh, there was a real need there in, in this area. Now we pick up at uh, all the Amish and Mennonite shops in uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Indiana. And we're starting to pick up upholstery in North Carolina, uh-huh. so expanding out a little bit. How far do you guys deliver to? We deliver from Maine to North Carolina, a little bit of Tennessee, and west to Indiana. Very nice. Very nice. So as a growing company, you're always on the lookout for experienced drivers, and especially to join your team. And this is why on our website at cnstrains.com, we have a trucking job board where we share uh, job opportunities for Keystone Transport. Why should a driver consider working for Keystone? There's a couple of reasons. Uh, Culture is very important to us. We know uh, our drivers, some of our drivers will be out Monday through Friday. They're away from their family. How can we uh, make it an environment where, uh, in, our, in our company, it's faith, family, work, in that order of priority. Uh, so we're concerned about uh, work-life balance. We, uh, our drivers are home Saturday and Sunday. And culture is important to us, uh, getting, the, getting the drivers involved in uh, knowing where the company's at. The state. We have a quarterly state of the company address, uh, we share our like goals, that. are we hitting our goals or not, financials, uh, they know what's going on, where we're headed, what we're targeting in sales and marketing, and the challenges that we're having as a company. Now, so we mentioned it before too, so driver retention is always a big concern. Um, I'm curious, one, on the onboarding side, uh, you know, you're training your drivers, I believe, learning how to blanket wrap and, and do a good job wrapping the furniture, but also on the retention side, what are your what are your strategies trying to keep good drivers long term? Well, uh, one thing is, uh, hey, le- they're not a number because we're we're a family operation, and uh, I know each one of the uh, drivers by name. Uh, my wife uh, makes a sticky bun or pie for them on their birthdays, and yeah. you know we have annual uh, get-togethers. But 
Uh, it's important that uh, they have good equipment, the equipment's working good, uh, good planned routes so that they can uh, execute uh, on time. Our dispatcher uh, has his CDL. He understands uh, what it's like to be out there on the road. I have my CDL, too. I, uh, it's like a vacation if I get to drive a truck. <laughs> I don't get to do it too much, but I do enjoy that. Get away from get, home. Getting away a little yep, bit, yep. yeah. The other side of it is the um, onboarding process. What is the onboarding process for a new driver? Onboarding process, I think it's very critical that uh, the driver gets a good experience from day one. Um, of course, we love to use CNS and get all the uh, compliance stuff out of the way. Uh, but then they're, uh, they're going to work uh, in the warehouse, uh, get a feel for how we wrap, tag, load furniture, handle furniture. They get to go out on local pickups, uh, and then they get to go out uh, a number of days with an experienced driver. Yeah. Real time, they get to learn how to use the apps and learn how we relate to the customers. When we're looking for a driver, we're looking for a customer service person. Yeah, they do have their Class A driver's license. Uh, yeah. So customer service is important. They're the face of the company. And we want to give yeah. them the tools to be successful. Our bonus program highlights that. We give bonus for, for customer service and for safety. Oh, awesome. Uh, we're just making a huge impact. Yeah, the customer service side, I love that. Um, I know here, you know, they try to, like, if we get a five-star review, you know, pass that on to our to the people who are called Ab- out, you Absolutely. Know? In this yeah. case here, they'll get, uh, they'll, there's money or a bonus behind that. That's awesome. Um, and you mentioned, you know, I think real quickly, the app. And I'm curious, uh, I believe that's the sort of, like, real-time order tracking app? or is, is Yes. Okay. In addition to their normal ELD app, okay. we, we have a dispatch and notification system. Uh, we know, When we load the truck, we notify the customer with uh, a text and email, mm-hmm. it shows them what uh, what products coming, which day we're coming, what time of day, and a picture of the driver, so they know oh, who's wow. going to deliver their furniture. And then when the truck leaves, they can track it real time. They know when that driver's going to show up. As things happen, it updates ETA, ETA in real time. So that's the kind of customer service. And then the driver personally calls an hour or two on ahead and uh, lets them know they're coming. So. In today's world, that communication is very important. We go to a lot of stores that uh, maybe they need to get help there to help unload. So uh, lining that up and keeping them apprised of our schedules is critical. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm I'm from the West Coast and, and got moved out here. And so the whole Amish community type of things is, is a, a fun new experience for me. And I'm curious with the relationships. Obviously, there's the supplier side. How is that relationship on the Amish community side? So uh, we kind of got two customers. We're uh, working with a lot of manufacturers, mm-hmm. over 100 manufacturers wow. uh, in, in the community. And they build very high-end, well-built furniture. So we have to take good care of it. Nothing is packaged. We're, we're blanket wrapping, tagging it. Uh, so we're, we're picking up at their shops every week. And uh, the store is actually their customer. We got the customer relationship there. And we get a lot of referrals from the manufacturers. And I'm curious, so uh, you know, that's all about Keystone Transport. And I know eventually you decided to open up the diesel mechanics side of the business. Uh, that's right. Tell me a little about how that got started. Well, uh, we have we have good shops in the area, but uh, scheduling was, was always a concern yeah. for me. And... Uh, I wanted, I wanted to be able to get it in, get it out, because a truck, everybody knows a truck down is not making any money. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, uh, we were doing our own fleet repair for about a year, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided we're going to offer a service to the marketplace. And the focus is, of course, I'm going to fix your truck like I want mine fixed. Uh, and uh, quality, but fast turnaround time, in and out. If you have to wait a week or two to get in the shop, uh, hey, you might want to see us. And then, uh, so the other side of it, I know we've had a lot of supply chain issues. I don't know if you're trying to wait for um, a certain 
part or anything like that. What's how's that transition well, been like? That's all. That is a very, very, yeah. very good concern. Uh, so we have our our standard sh- uh, standard uh, vendors that we use to buy our parts. Right. But if it's uh, if it's out, if it's pushing our lead time out, we'll search around. We'll we'll go to all all ends to find that part. Yeah. Anywhere in the U.S. Yeah. Or cross seas if we have to. Yep. And it's if it's going to be out here uh, here, it's going to be out at other places yep. too. So it's just one of those things that uh, it's just crazy. Um, and then I know you mentioned on your website, uh, Tesla Semi, uh, you'd want to work on that as well. I believe you're on the wait list for the Tesla Semi. Tell me a little bit about this interest. Well, I, uh, I was watching Tesla as a company up through the growing pains and all, and it, it, did, it did intrigue me. I, uh, I see the, the battery-operated vehicles coming, um, yeah. and they're here. And I saw uh, when they rolled out the semi in 2019, it really caught my eye, especially with a 500-mile range. And uh, for me, it's not so much green as uh, the technology, and there's not as many moving parts. You don't have the yes. engine and trans and the, the emissions and all that good stuff to go wrong, uh, simple and cleaner. So I, I, put, I, I, I got in line. I uh, have a reservation for one. I guess the time will tell until uh, it gets to me uh, if the infrastructure will support it. So one right. of my concerns is, is the infrastructure there? Do we have routes that if I'm just going back and forth between warehouses and I have a charging infrastructure at the warehouses, I'm good. Yep. I, that, that's going to fit it beautifully. But you have to have the right, the right setup for, uh, for electric semis at this point to make it work. Uh, right. I did uh, just drive one recently, Nikola. Uh-huh. Uh, took it out for a test drive, drives like a sports car, take off and burn rubber almost no not quite but uh, oh gosh they're uh, they're fast yeah. uh, they're nice the technology's there but it also it, it it showed me that uh there's some work uh till they're ready for prime time yep uh it's a developing emerging market uh, there's a hydrogen electric uh truck common that's that, yeah. that uh that's i think that may have uh more traction quicker than the total electric but the total electric for local uh, local runs is going to be exactly so be there's key. there's that difference of local yep. regional uh versus long haul and so Tesla Semi is, is sort of that local regional. I believe eCascadia uh, with with Daimler, that's sort of that local regional truck. Yeah. Uh, but it's I think the Kenworth you mentioned sort of the the um, I was gonna say CNG is it no not CNG it's the hydrogen, uh, hydrogen um, fuel cell. You know that's that's long haul. I believe they're focused on or at least 500, 500 mile range or something like that as well. But um, all fascinating this transition. I know the ATA uh, Spear just mentioned, I think yesterday, that he was like, whoa, slow down. Like, <laughs> Well, California put some pretty stringent things in place that I think are going to have to be rolled back based on what I know of the industry currently. But it's fun. It's fascinating watching these companies transition from, uh, from diesel to electric to hydrogen. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's fascinating watching the business model change. I agree. And, and it's interesting, too, because I think – you know, it, it is coming. The question yeah. is, give me timeline and then the sort of phase out of older vehicles to, to newer vehicles. But I think almost regardless, if it's, if it's however the battery or the electric is being charged, basically, the costs are insanely impressive. Less maintenance right. uh, with, with just the motors. And then you have, I mean, the electric, I think a uh, 200-mile round trip, for a diesel truck would be like 170 bucks, five dollars per gallon of diesel. Where the Tesla Semi, with similar costs for electricity at that time, was like 28 bucks. Oh. 
Yeah, it's, it's significant. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is fascinating. And I, and I understand, like you mentioned, the this transition of getting charging infrastructure out there. Is it something, I know short term, what, you know, they're getting the vehicles out to Pepsi, Walmart, and others, these big ones, where they're going to put charging infrastructure at these warehouses and sites. Is it something, do you see it being at your site as well? Or are you more hopefully relying on these diesel uh, or these larger truck uh, charging stations being at local local gas stations or something like that? I did some research on that. Uh, it costs anywhere from fifty to 100000 to install yep. a charging system at my warehouse. So depending on the economics of the whole package would uh, probably drive that. Obviously, yeah. if you don't have to do that, it'd be nice. But yeah. uh, relying on that infrastructure to get up and going uh, is going to be challenging as well. But uh, I would see putting that infrastructure at our warehouses and using that as our point-to-point. And do you have any worries on, I, I don't ba- not battery range, but maybe like the charging time involved or anything like that? Well, with, uh, with the, where our warehouses are located, they have to, uh, it, it's too far for uh, out and back in a day. So they right. have to spend time there anyhow. So from that perspective, for our model, that would not be an, an issue. Nice. But out on the road, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating transition that's happening. And um, I know... With, like with, with Tesla's vision too, just we'll, we'll get off of Tesla in a second, but it's interesting because a lot of people out there are thinking that this isn't happening for another 10 years, you know, 20, 30 beyond. But I mean, while it's Elon time, they're saying they want 50,000 trucks pr- production by the end of 2024. So really 25, 26, um, Based on last year, there was 300,000 Class 8 trucks produced in a year. That's 15% in just a couple years being Tesla semi-electric trucks um, of all trucks in the U.S. specifically. Like this transition is coming. Do you have any other thoughts or, uh, for other fleets, whether it's big or small, like what's, what they should consider with this transition? I'd say just keep watching the marketplace and be ready to change when it comes. Uh, the early adopters, you know, usually, what do they call it, the bleeding edge? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, do the, do the math, do your numbers, make sure it works for you. It's not a fit for everybody. Yeah. You have to make sure you have a model that supports it and, and, and gives a return on investment. Yeah. Very cool. And, you know, sort of a transition, the other, the other half of this, uh, since we're talking about vehicles in general, I know, you know, the, the swings in the trucking market w- has been insane lately. Obviously, COVID was a amazing time for truckers to get into the industry. Uh, and then on the tail end of COVID, people still thought they could get in and the trucks were getting expensive. And now we're seeing the market crash for trucking, hopefully hitting a bottom soon and going back up. But really this last six months to almost a year, if anybody got in during that time with trucks at those high prices, uh, especially owner operators. I'm just curious how you see the market. I know you you have your own niche and probably a little bit safe from from this transition. But what's your perspective well, on it? I uh, the industry as a whole, furniture industry as a whole, has slowed up here this year too. That goes up and down with the economy, just like anything else. Uh, so we had up to this point, our our growth was organic. We didn't have any salespeople. It was word of mouth. We went to a few trade shows. Uh, but we are, uh, we just hired a salesperson, uh, to spread the word and, and 
we like to have this year another growth year, even though industry, furniture industry as a whole is down 20, 20% this year. But if we were relying only on load boards and general freight, I don't yeah. think I'd be in business. I, uh, yeah. I mean, as low as they, they went. Uh, we do use those occasionally to fill, fill empty miles. But our goal is to build relationships with these manufacturers and stores and be a service provider for them. I completely agree. And that's something that we talked about in uh, my startup series that we've been covering. I, I did an episode on low boards and all like contract freight. What's the difference? Go check it out. I'm sure we can drop it in uh, above us here. You can go watch that video. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. The whole point of the load board originally was fill up that last mile. Uh, oop, I need something real yep. quick and, and that's it. But relying on it, yeah. I mean, just it's a whole different game. Um, yeah, dollar to dollar fifty a mile. I just uh, that's lower. That's, than my, that's lower that's, than my cost. Yeah, yeah, and that's everybody. <laughs> everybody online, uh, if you follow like any of the Facebook groups or things like that, they're just like, "Don't take those rates." <laughs> like, stop. That's right. Like, yeah, but um, I know we're starting to see a transition up. I hope so. We'll see where that goes. So you mentioned earlier, um, you know. The, the onboarding process, things that you can be trained on. And I know safety is always a big thing, especially at our company, uh, where we focus on safety and compliance. What's some of the safety tech you use for your vehicles? Well, a lot of our trucks have the adaptive crews and the lane guidance, uh, the safety features. Uh, we're, we have a monthly safety meeting with the team, uh, give feedback, uh, hear their concerns, very safety-oriented. We do have forward-facing cameras. Okay. Uh, which is has been very helpful. We have some people try to hit us and then claim uh, damage and all that stuff. If I wouldn't have those videos, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, uh, and that's that's been one of the things. Uh, I think I wrote an article on that on our insurance site, but um, the people that are trying to get almost free money from, from the trucking industry, how have you used it? So is that during the whole litigation process, or did you even have to get that far? No, we uh, we send the video to the insurance company. They took it from there, and it went quiet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty obvious. Do you know? So how how what did these people try to do? Well, we were uh, our driver was going down. He was in the right lane, a two lane highway, and there was an on ramp coming on. Yep. He couldn't get over to make room for the white car coming down the ramp, and because he had a, a semi right beside him, he could not move over. And that white car just comes right over and bumps his bumps his wheel and they go off to the side and and there was uh, damage for pain and suffering, neck is- injuries, uh, back problems, you know all the good stuff like yep. that. Uh, but I was so glad for that camera. Interesting. And then as far as has it helped reduce claims? I know insurance in general is is crazy in in the nuclear mm-hmm. verdicts and things like that. How has uh, your claim side of the the insurance? With safety tech or anything no, else? No, with, with, uh, we use Samsara for yeah. our ELD, and that also has the cameras with it. Uh, we have forward-facing cameras only. We don't have uh, driver-facing. Uh, one of my concerns is privacy on that, but I guess I, uh, we're, we're a company that hires for, for safety and culture, and I'd rather hire the right people. I don't need the cameras facing backward, but I understand why companies do that, uh, but no, that has helped us uh, having the cameras itself and uh, having those videos uh, definitely helped our, our insurance uh, costs. And I'm curious, just as, since it's in the news right now, uh, ELDs and all these hours of service rule changes technically hasn't made uh, the roads safer or reduced crashes or things like that. Just curious on your perspective, ELDs, good, bad? 
I think EODs are good. I mean, they're, uh, it has helped our company. Right. Uh, the forward-facing cameras uh, gives us insight into, you know, how speeding, following distance, all that good stuff. That's a tool that we use to right. coach our drivers. And we get bonuses off of that as well. So uh, I feel overall it's a good thing. Uh, the ELD has been very helpful to our company. Uh, now, of course, it can be misused. Uh, again, it comes back to hiring the right kind of person yep. to put behind the wheel. That is probably more key than any technology that can be used out there. Hiring the right person that's safety conscious, customer for us, customer service oriented. Yeah. And that has, that has what, uh, that, that has helped us a lot. Completely agree. I know one of the, the taglines I like to use for uh, explaining CNS and safety is we are human tech involved in managing the safety. We use tech, but it's human focused. I like tech. that. I yeah. like it because at the end of the day, it's our drivers that make or break the company. Completely. Uh, from a customer service perspective, from a safety perspective. Uh, yeah, accidents will happen. Uh, thing, things do happen, but uh, a safety culture. Uh, starts at the top if you're going to be successful. Yeah, totally. Okay, so we talked a little bit about safety, some of the regulation. Um, so speaking of regulations, speed limiter rule proposal is out. There's no hard number that they've proposed yet. Uh, I know we're going to hear a lot about this in, in the coming months, but what's your thoughts on the speed limiter rule? I like to take a common sense approach. We have ours limited at 70 mile an hour, but that's just a common sense. Most of the roads aren't higher than that, and that yeah. uh, that works well for our company. Um, I guess, you know, you can regulate to death. Um, I would like to think any, you know, good good companies out there are going to self-regulate. Uh, exactly. Do we need another rule? Exactly. That's I my mean, thoughts. If it's, if, it's miles, if it's miles per gallon that you're worried about, you're going to slow down. Absolutely. And then if it's the speed limit, there's a lot of different speed limits out there in a lot of different states. Yeah, you can't. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you try to pick one number, yeah. uh, if, if they have to make a rule, if it has to go through like that, I would rather see the technology where it just, you know, it's, uh, it's based on the current speed limit of the area and it allows variation. Right. If they have to go that route, I prefer not, but right. I, I would hope the technology is common and it, it just a matter needs to be developed a little further that it could, should be able to regulate it per exactly. the area you're in, per the speed limit you're in. Right. But. It makes sense. Sometimes the FMCSA doesn't make sense. I think, <laughs> I think the, the previous uh, podcast guests we had on, they basically said, sometimes the regulations don't make sense because yeah. things change frequently, political swings. But you still got to follow the rules. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, we're safety. I mean, we won't, uh, if a driver doesn't feel safe, we say do not go. Uh, whether it's equipment, whether it's weather, whether it's not, safety is paramount. Wait, you have a lot of uh, big machine out there, a lot of pounds traveling down the road, a lot of liability. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a proponent on if you're regulating the truck, Regulate the every everyday tri drivers as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, speed limiter on their vehicle? Sure. I, I wouldn't care. Or, or uh, you know, ELD, not ELD, but like the telematic tech inside inside the vehicle? Yeah, totally. Like. Yep. <laughs> so uh, another thing that's been going through, it's been a horrible mess because no one's actually doing it. But I was curious on your perspective on the under 21 interstate uh, CDL driving pilot program. Um, 
do you have an issue with under 21 drivers or is it experience versus like, cause they'll, they'll get their time on the road. Well, I, I would, I would probably look at experience more than age. Yeah. Like if you, okay, let's say I hire somebody off the farm that has been driving tractors and equipment and backing up trailers all, you know, since they're 12 years old on the farm exactly. uh, is one thing versus someone that never was in a big vehicle at 18. Uh, I make a difference there. So I look at it more from an experience uh, slash safety perspective yeah. than the actual age. Yeah. Some people at uh, 25 wouldn't be fit to be in the truck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is why hiring and some drivers people, is... Some people at 16 probably could handle it well, but yeah. uh, I'm not a promoter of that young, but yeah. 18 would uh, could, could work. I guess, it, again, it is depending on the skill and the ability of the person. And I know the pilot program, it was trying to do that. Like, they already have experience in trust-state, and they're taking the best of those to do interstate. So it's not like fresh out of the, you know, never been in a truck before training. Um, but I am curious, too. Well, Go ahead. But back on that uh, that subject, okay, so if it's only, if they've been driving in the state, and yeah. they're safe, and they're okay with that, I guess I don't see any reason you can't go out of state. There's, I mean, what's the difference? Or maybe I'm missing something here. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm with you on that, and um, I, obviously the insurance piece and the aftermath of that later is different. They they can go work for a big company that has a captive and can has their own insurance, and everything's going to be fine that way. But, yeah, as far as, like, I mean, the whole point was right across the state is a big <laughs> market for us to get to, and it's just right across the border. Why can't? Yeah, I'd that? have no problem that. Yeah. If they're safe to drive in-state, they're safe to drive out-of-state. That's yeah. my opinion. I like it. So since we're talking about young drivers, I was curious, too, about, I don't know, thoughts on in garnering interest for even kids to eventually think about the trucking career or logistics career in general. And, and what, what do you think you, you would want to see, whether it's in schools or even college or wherever else, to show this interest in this industry? Well, I think... Uh as, as we got into the, the general freight a little bit to fill our backhauls and we had uh, some going to these large warehouses and all the, the experiences we had with general freight and these big warehouses was less than ideal. I think that's more of a problem in the industry than we realize. So yeah. we can get these people interested, but if they're going to have the experience of waiting half days at warehouses and all the challenges of working through that uh, versus just being able to haul freight, um, I think that's where we need to start with fixing the problem. Completely agree. So that goes with detention time. That goes yeah, with absolutely. bathroom breaks. Yes. yes. The <laughs> Please whole, let them go to yes. the bathroom. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's let common it be sense, human. Right? Common sense. Yeah. Uh, but back to, yeah, I think we ought to be promoting it uh, as a, uh, and again, we're, we're a family company, so uh, it's not always right for every stage of family life to be out on the road Monday through Friday. So, of course, you know, I'm not out here promoting it's right for everybody, but for, for there are there are seasons of life that it it fits well for the individual and their their uh, where they're at in life. Uh, but I, I do believe there should be uh, at least make make them aware of the the, the potential because you can make make good money on a truck, right? Make, make more than I make sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, I might look pretty here on camera, but uh, the drivers could definitely be making more money than me. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm curious, uh, 
I, I didn't bring this up before, but uh, I follow local community, like Facebook groups and things. And so in Myerstown specifically, uh, in the neighborhood I live in, um, some truck drivers live there. Not allowed to park there. I don't know if it's HOA or whatever. Uh, I'm just curious. And then they were asking, where can we park our vehicle? Uh, and basically anywhere in Myerstown, they're like, oh, no, we had an issue there. We had an issue here. I'm just curious about your perspective on truck parking, whether it's like local or, uh, you know, encouraging the community that it's, it's, it's a big issue. I don't think people realize this, um, especially in small communities, because, you know, think truck parking, you're thinking truck stops or you're thinking um, something else. But I'm just curious on your perspective on tr truck parking in general. Well, that's interesting because uh, I just purchased a commercial property a year ago and we're clearing space, uh, making availability for truck parking. So wow. if you need some parking space in Myerstown, come see me. I got some available right now. But that is an issue, especially in the Northeast, as our drivers are, are, are delivering furniture in the Northeast, parking space is, uh, is a real, real concern. It's hard to find. Uh, and then you're working with your hours of service, making that all combined. Yes. That is a real problem for us in the Northeast. Going south, it's not as much of an issue, but Northeast, absolutely. Uh, but the, uh, there, there are some places that the drivers do park their trailers elsewhere and take them home and park them in their, uh, in their, uh, just in their driveway. driveway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I think they should, uh, what people don't realize is so much of life depends on trucking. Hey, let's have trucking stop for a week. What yeah. would happen? It'd be chaos. Yeah. Uh, there wouldn't be food at the right places at the right times. There, Yeah life would stop as we know it. I don't think we give enough respect, first of all, to the truck drivers out there yes. uh, and what they're doing for, for us. Uh, I think if we have that mentality, uh, that would go a long way in, in where we allow people to park and how we treat delivery customer, delivery vendors and uh, that sort of thing. I completely agree. Like COVID, it was nice because we had this quick taste of like, oh my gosh, there's no toilet paper. Uh, we need trucks to get it there as quickly as possible or whatever. And there was a little bit of respect. Same thing, nursing or teachers and things like we had a we had a moment, but gosh, we are so quick on just forgetting about it. Um, and I, yeah, completely agree. Um, and with that, all right, with that, uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Thank you so much again for coming out, James. Uh, it's fascinating to always hear about a different niche in the trucking market. Um, and if anybody has any questions. Uh, or concerns or looking to get hired for a job uh, reach out to us comment in the in the comment section below or reach out to us we'll pass on the information to james uh, you can always go to cnstrains.com check out our trucking job board um, where his information is on there as well you can learn a little bit more about the details uh, and apply uh, and then of course we have a cdl school uh, if you're looking for trucking insurance if you're looking for help with the safety side of the business uh, licensing drug testing uh, consortium management we do literally everything on uh, sort of the regulation side of the industry check us out uh, go check out keystone uh, there in myerstown um, they have a website i'm sure you can apply online on their website as well so uh, with that thanks again for joining us and as always stay safe out there Ha ha ha